The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. And now for something completely different. Hey, I was, I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm in three Halls of Fame. For the young fans, they don't give a damn. They just give a damn about themselves and what they're hearing now. And I got no problem with those rules. I know the rules going in. I'm happy to play the game that way. And when Ivan came off with that uh, knee drop from the top rope and he bent me, I thought that something happened. I couldn't hear a thing. You could have heard the pin drop in that arena. It touched me so deeply that when I went in the dressing room, I really felt depressed. I'll tell you that, I'll tell you right to his face. If it's Hogan and I, if he wanted to get in a real street fight with me, trust me, he would lose. And he knew it. You know, that's the other thing. They give you the belt and they're like, okay, you're in charge of me. I was like, what? When you mentioned a guy like Harley Race, that kind of legendary status, it's obvious why people would get upset. Or as I'm concerned, Roddy Piper was not a wrestler. He wasn't even a good worker. If he had to go out and work his way to the top and not have good friends like Jim Barnett. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not a good guy. He's just not a tough guy. Bro, I swear to you, I don't have an ego. Like, I don't give a crap. I, that stuff is not important to me. People don't know me. They have no idea of who I am. They know of me as being a fictional character that they saw on TV. People didn't understand that, you know, the guy they saw in the ring that happened to be using his real name and happened to actually be the president of the company, they really believed that that guy that they loved to hate was actually a pretty decent guy. And I think many people have the perception that I really was that character.
Hello and welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. I'm your host, JP John Paz. With me today, a very special guest. He is, of course, a WWE Hall of Famer, former WWE World Tag Team Champion, and Intercontinental Champion. He is the Godfather himself. Godfather, welcome back to the two-man power trip. How you doing? Well, thanks for having me on the show, man. I can't wait to get into some good stuff. Yeah, so what's going on in your world? What have you been up to? Um, I'm retired from wrestling. I still do some autograph signings. Uh, I have my own cannabis strain in california and uh you know a lot of ins and outs going on but i stay really busy stay really busy perfect business to be in right now right cannabis <laughs> yes it is how's it doing like how's it doing good financially for you oh yeah i, I i'm doing very well with it uh no complaints whatsoever uh plus i'm doing something that i enjoy doing so you know i, I don't have a big part of it anymore besides you know promoting and stuff but all the hard work's been done but uh it's a good product uh it's at all the uh, dr green thumb dispensaries in california right now it's the only place it is and uh, you know just just uh enjoying life enjoying life i'm basically retired pretty cool though i mean there's a perfect fit for the godfather right the cannabis <laughs> godfather perfect yes what was going on with uh, Table for Five? It's usually Table for Three, but I saw now it's Table for Five with uh, you and the Bone Street crew and the Undertaker and Rikishi and the Godwins. That turned into a Table for Five. It was a Table for Four until Midian showed up at the end. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that was real fun. We did that. Uh, the, we did that at WrestleMania. So that was real fun. Had a good time doing it. Getting all the guys. I see, uh, <coughs> I see just about all the guys, including Taker, all the time. But uh, a lot of the guys don't. So it was good getting together and chopping it up. Did you see the show? No, but I was reading uh, a review on it, then, and I was like, "Oh, now I got to watch." You guys were cheering everybody and and giving them drinks. Like now, I got to catch it. I know it's on Peacock, obviously, on, on the new WWE <laughs> Network. The people, but now yeah. I got to catch it. Yeah, yeah. I think it was good. I watched it uh, last week and. Uh, it was enjoyable. It's everybody just being themselves. Pretty cool to get you, you know, all you guys together at once as far as like on an actual WB film show. Um, you know, it's it, only person we missed in that group that's still alive was Savio, and Savio had uh, prior commitments that he couldn't get out of. So, you know, it, it, it was fun. When you guys are together, obviously you guys are, are, are you know a really cohesive unit. Is some of you guys get along better than others, or everybody is pretty cool together? No, we're all uh, we're all good friends, yeah, and to this day we're all good friends. I, I tend to, uh, you know, I've known Taker a little bit longer than the rest of them, but uh, other than that, man, we're all good friends. I talked to today alone. I talked to Rikishi, and I talked to uh, to uh, Hogman. You know, so uh, that's two that I talked to today. Yesterday, I actually talked to Rikishi. So I talked to Rikishi two days in a row. <laughs> nice. Keeping the BSK alive. You got to love that. Yeah. Uh, we love seeing each other. Uh, I don't see Savio too much. I see the Godwins. You know, I see Taker all the time. I mean, and we, we communicate a lot. Backstage, obviously, you got the BSK, you got the click. Was there a lot of uh, tension back there, you know, back in the, in those days? If, if there was tension between the two groups, uh, nobody told me about it. Uh, <laughs> I had friends on both sides. I was closer with, much closer with BSK, but Sean was my friend, Kevin, you know, uh, Razor, all of them. The, the, Scott, all those guys were my friends. I, 
I probably, besides Taker, I probably knew Scott and Hall longer than anybody uh, anybody in the BSK. Was that a little overblown, though, like with the click? You know, the the fans, and myself included, like we think in our minds, like, oh, the click, they were such a, you know, poison to the locker room backstage. Was that ever a case? Not with us, it wasn't. I mean, people make more of it today. The click was more a little political, but it, the people make more of it than what it was, uh, especially with us. We, we had no animosity or no problems, you know, at all with them. We had, we had no problems at all with, uh, with those guys. They were cool. Where does the BSK, like, where does that come from? How does it get created? Like, who's creating it, and how do you guys all come together? We were just guys that hung out. What, uh, you know, not all of us were. <clears throat> me, and, <clears throat> me, Yoko, and Taker were more of the strip club guys. But uh, we all hung out during the day, hung out at night, played dominoes, uh, watched each other's back. Uh, we played dominoes at TV all the time. And Yoko and Undertaker kind of came up with the uh, idea of Bone Street Crew. And then uh, Yoko was the one that like, make it BSK instead of C, make it K for the crew. And so it was just BSK was time to play dominoes. And. You know, it was time to get together. It was just a bunch of good guys, man. We were all friends. You know, what was cool about BSK is there was black guys, there was Samoans, there's Tongans, there's Hawaiians, there's cowboys, there's, you know, there was the, it was such, such a necessity, can't say it right now, in that group that it was just really cool. A big Irish dead guy, you know. <laughs> is he Irish? I didn't know he was Irish. Well, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Callaway, I don't know. What's I, not even a, I know he's a redhead, so maybe. Yeah. With, like, BSK, obviously, uh, Yoko, unfortunately, uh, gone uh, you know, well, well, too soon. Were you always boys with Yoko, just, like, going back a ways? Oh, man, I was, like, I met Yoko in the WWF at the time, and uh, we just... He was a great dude, man. At that point, we started hanging. Me, him, and Taker were in strip clubs every night. I mean, for years, every night. And so, yeah, we got to know each other. Then at the at the end, he moved to Las Vegas and started up a wrestling organization called BWF with a guy named Buffalo. So he lived out here. So I see him all the time, man. Yoke dog. I miss him to death. Great guy. With you and kind of like knowing these guys, obviously, you know, you know, Undertaker, God, you know, years, I guess it was Memphis, right? When you guys first met? I think we met in around 88 in Memphis. Yeah. What was your gimmick? What were you at? Were you Soul Taker at that point? Like, What was your gimmick (laughs) at that point? I was uh, Soul Taker and he was the master of pain. Right, right. Okay. They brought him in and I had just finished a little run with Jerry Lawler. And uh, they they're looking for somebody for me to work with. So they said, we're going to bring this tall, redheaded kid to work with you. He said, he's, he's green, but he's been in the business longer than you. So we had a match that he talks about that was just crazy. It, just, it was a very physical match. And after that match, they decided to make us a tag team. And uh, at that point, we became really good friends seems that anybody who's anybody came through Memphis, right? I mean, like everybody went through Memphis at one point. Everybody from A to Z, from The Rock to Hogan to to Taker to Stone Cold, whoever you want to go through, has back back then. I don't even know if Memphis, does Memphis still run? No, not really. There's no. not like a territory. There's smaller organizations that all occasionally run, but there's no territory there. Yeah, well, everybody, everybody came through Memphis, and I mean everybody. When he's, you know, 
uh, Master Payne, he's a young guy. You never think like, wow, this guy's going to be one of the biggest stars ever, right? I mean, he's just your buddy. You don't really think like that, right? No, no, never thought. I mean, I never didn't think he'd make it big or any of us would. But, uh, dude, we were just doing our thing, having fun, learning the business. I don't, I don't know if Taker thought that far ahead or not, you know. I mean, we were just trying to make it in the business. And, uh, you know, things went really well for him. Crazy to, like, look at it now and think back then, like, Ole Anderson, whoever it was in WCW, was like, ah, you'll never make a dime in this business. Isn't that crazy? Like, just thinking about it, it's like, wow, how could you not see money in this guy? Well, that's good. That was the old good old boy network, and he wasn't one of the good old boys. So of course, he wasn't going to fit. I'm sure they said the same thing about the uh, Road Warriors, too. Oh, yeah. They'll never make it. Bunch of muscle guys with painted faces, yeah, you know. But one thing about me is I don't watch wrestling anymore. Um, I haven't in a long time. And nothing against the business. Respect the business. Love the business. Business made me money and a lot of good friends. I just don't watch much TV. The little TV that I watch ain't going to be wrestling. So um, I hear a lot of things. Uh, I'm just What I have to say about the new product is I'm just glad the guys have a place to go to make money. If you look at it, I know you don't watch it, but if you look at it, if you just look at BSK, it's like you're probably 6'8", whatever. I mean, Undertaker's probably 6'10". Yokozuna's huge. Rikishi's huge. Henry Godwin is, is a monster. Oh, he's all, a monster. All of them are here. All, all you guys. And then if you look at Duke the Dumpster, Drossy, JBL, like all these guys are huge. There's nobody really. I mean, there's a few guys, but there's not like every guy is huge. Like when you guys were in the WWF, it was monsters. Like I said, I don't talk bad about anybody up. Things change, wrestling take change, time changes. If wrestling is changing, it's because that's what people want. So uh, it's like basketball. All seven-footers aren't centers anymore. Now they're shooting three-pointers. So uh, I think But what I hear and the little that I've seen, it's just more acrobatic now and uh, more moves and more spots, and which is cool, man. As long as they keep the business alive, I'm happy. But it doesn't seem to be a big man's game anymore. And back then, like I said, I was – I'm six, six, and at the time I stayed over 300 pounds, and I wasn't by far one of the biggest guys, not even close. I was just one of the average size guys. I was just one of the average size guys in BSK. If you think about it, yeah, which is nuts because obviously you're a big guy. So it's like, wow, how is that possible? Just all those big monsters together, like yeah. Vince signed them all. Hey, well, that's where you went to make money, you know. That was the show. WCW was cool, but you know Vince bought them out. Um, that was the show, bro. That's where you wanted to get to the show. How did you get there originally? I mean, obviously you're going to be Papa Shango, but how did how did you get there? Um, I wasn't a wrestling fan. Never was a wrestling fan. I'm older now. I know I acted a lot younger, but I'm 61 years old, and so when I grew up. Roller in the Bay Area, California, roller derby was much bigger than wrestling, much bigger. They'd go at the Cow Palace and roller derby would sell the Cow Palace out and wrestling would come in and draw half a house. And so we were really into roller derby back then. I knew uh, Rocky Johnson, Haystack Calhoun, Ray the Crippler Stevens, guys like that, Kenji Shabua, you know. But we didn't really know it. Um, I just, wrestling kind of came and got grabbed me by the horns. And they were filming a movie in Vegas called Over the Top. It was a uh, Sylvester Stallone, boom, 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 arm wrestling movie. And some guys were talking to me about wrestling. I'm like, well, you know, I don't really know much about wrestling. And they're like, 
you ever hear this dude named Bam Bam Bigelow? Because I mean, back then I'm tatted up. I mean, uh, this is 80, 86. And, you know, there's no black guys with tattoos unless they were in a, a fraternity or something. And I was sleeved up. They're like, dude, you're, I was a monster. I was powerlifting. They're like, you should get into wrestling. I'm like, really? Yeah, I don't know. And they're like, well, this guy, Bad Bad, made over a million dollars last year. And I'm like, how much? Wrestling, you made a million dollars? Made a couple calls. Literally, and I'm not joking, two, two three, year, three years from that call, I'm in the WWF. And it just moved. I was in wrestling school for maybe a couple months. And uh, Jerry Lawler seen me and put me right to work. My very first match ever. I never had a practice match. I didn't even know much. My very first match ever was against the King, and I beat him for the he the Memphis heavyweight title. My very first match. And so things just moved really fast for me. One being there wasn't many black guys in the in wrestling back then, and people always thought wrestling was prejudice. I'm like. The black guys were watching wrestling, but they didn't want to become wrestlers. And so I was so different, man. It just moved quick. It just moved quick. And then when me and Taker became friends, he went to Japan. When he came back from Japan, I went to Japan. When I came back to Japan, he went to WCW. I went to Germany. When I got, I was in Germany with Scott Hall, Owen Hart, Chris Benoit, Fit Finley, Dave Taylor. I mean, those are the guys I was seven months in uh, Germany with. When I got back from there, I learned a lot working with those guys because we'd work every day. <clears throat> now, Taker was in WWF at the time, so they gave me a tryout. And then Vince hired me, and he goes, he goes, it's your face I have a problem with. He says, you have the body of a monster, but you have a baby face. As I'm not looking for baby faces. I need heels. So he says, go home. They, they signed me to a contract, and they about two or three months later, they called me and said, hey, Go rent the movie Live and Let Die. There's a voodoo character in it, a James Bond film. And he goes, we want to kind of take off. And Vince says, I want you to get that laugh down. This guy has a laugh that I want to get down. That <laughs> and so uh, that's where it came from, man. And we just ran with it. What did you think of like the name, Papa Shango? It's kind of a weird name. Did you like the name? Well, I picked the name. Oh, wow. Okay. Papa Why did like you pick that name? name and, and it's Shango. It, the, the the correct pronunciation of it is Shango, but I thought that sounded too country, Papa Shango. And so I made a Shango because it just sounded cooler. But Shango is the uh, keeper of the dead. I mean, you to go through the graves, you got to go through Shango. So he was, and who was actually a guy named Baron Samadai. And that's who he is in the, in the some people say Baron Samidi, but it's Baron Samadai. And that's the guy in the movie. And uh, we just took off from that, man. I thought it was cool. But, yeah, I picked the name. I remember being really cool, but, like, scary, though. Like, you're, like, not sure, like, what's going on. I mean, the voodoo stuff. I'm, I'm I got, I think I'm 12 at this point, maybe 11. You know, so you're st I'm still a little skeptical about what's going on, you know? <laughs> it, was, it was before its time. It was before its time. Do you think the networks, like USA, whatever, do you think that they were scared of it? Or is that why Papa Shango didn't have a longer shelf life? Uh, it's a long story. It had to do a lot with me and where I was in th that place and time of my life. And, you know, it, it, they probably would have liked Papa Shango to do a little longer role. But like I said, wrestling, the thing about me is wrestling was never my main source of income. I always was part owner or worked at a strip club.
And so I always had money coming in. So the wrestling money was cool, but I could survive without it. So that's why you would see me come and go. For me, wrestling was to be around a bunch of big, crazy, stupid idiots like me that thought like me and were strong like me and tough like me. And it was just cool being, it was like a, my, my own little biker game. And it was cool being around people like that. But when I wasn't having, enjoying myself, I would leave. And then that's why you see me come and go because I'd leave and then they'd call me and ask me to come back. And I'm like, no, nah, I ain't coming back. And then they'd call me and say, hey, we want to do this. I'd be like, no, nah, I don't want to, that's not really how it went. But they would call me to come back and then something would switch a, twig, a trigger and I'd be like, all right, I'll come back and do it. Then if I wasn't having fun, you'd see me. The only time that I stayed is when they brought me in and they put me in the Nation of Domination, I was having a lot of fun. So me and my wife created the Godfather because I wanted to stay around. But that's, and then once that became the good father, I was ready to leave again because then I wasn't really having fun. And they tried to, at that point, they were becoming more PG. They were getting rid of the suckets and then, I mean, Val Venuses and me. And so there was, it was, wrestling was changing. And so it was time for me to bow out, which I did. And to that, to this day, I still been under a legends contract with them. So they're still making action figures and they're still making, put me in the video games and I'm popping up on the network. So it's been a really good run for me. I mean, it's been 20 years since I wrestled and I'm still, you know, they're still sending me paychecks, so I'm not mad at them. Yeah, I'll get to the Godfather in a second. I mean, that that run is great, but it's funny with Papa Shango, like or Papa Shango, the the voodoo spells. Like, obviously, you know, maybe you're not that into it, but like as a fan, it's like, oh, making guys puke, the warriors puking. Like, it was really interesting, though. Like, as, from a fan perspective, it's like, wow, what is this guy? Like, he's wow, putting spells on people. It was before its time, and the thing about me is. I wasn't talking to two adults. I was talking to kids. I was scaring kids, seven to 12 years, you know, kids. Yeah. I was telling you that I'd visit you and you wouldn't sleep at night. And that was my whole thing. I told Vince, let me scare kids. They're going to grow up and later on in life, they're going to be talking <laughs> about me. And I told you, know, and to this day, most of the people, when I paint up as Papa Shango, I have a lot of 35, 34 to 40 year old men. They're just like, dude, you have no idea how you scared me when I was a kid. And they're telling their kid, no, you don't understand. This guy was a voodoo guy and he scared me as a kid. So, you know, it's pretty cool to be part of something. I mean, to this day, people want to know how I made the ultimate warrior throw that the throw up. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I, it's it's very humbling, you know, because it, it's just a humbling thing. That very weird color green, whatever that was that he threw up. Yeah. <laughs> like neon green. <laughs> it was bad. WrestleMania 8, though, I'll always remember that. Hogan said, you come down and interfere. I hated you forever for interfering in, in, in the Hogan match. What was that like? Was that supposed to lead to anything? Like, what was that all about as far as WrestleMania 8? Uh, I think, I I don't know, man. Like I said, at that point, I was just happy to be there. Uh, I knew that I was going to get a little run with the Warrior, but I think it was more set up to just keep the Warrior going until he got to Macho Man or something. They didn't have plans and it really got going with Sid quick because when Sid quit, they didn't have anybody. So I kind of got thrown to the wolves. They weren't going to push it that fast. But when Sid quit, it changed everything. And they were basically looking for any heel that had any type of heat going on them. So they threw me. I kind of got thrown to the dogs on it. But, you know, business is business. And then I was going through a real bad divorce. And I went from being a nice guy to a guy they called the bear. And, uh, 
it was time for me to go back home for a minute and get my mind right. Gotcha. Before that, was there any Hogan plans, or was Hogan going to be at the I picture? I've never heard of any Hogan plans whatsoever. Nobody ever told me about any if there was. Would have been interesting, like a voodoo guy against Hogan, you know, like the big heel uh, against Hogan. Like I said, I, I was thrown in there. It wasn't a planned out situation. <clears throat> Sid quit, and they had to throw somebody in there, so they didn't really have a lot of plans. So when you come back, obviously you're going to be the supreme fighting machine. You're going to be uh, different. Whose idea is Kama the supreme fighting machine? Uh, that was Vince's. They called me and they wanted to do the UFC. had just started up and they had this guy named Kimo that was getting over. I guess he had some tattoos and stuff. And he was getting over. So Vince was like, well, you know how to, you know, I've dabbled in a little bit of everything in my life. So he's like, you know, you can do this. You can do that. You want to do it? I'm like, no. He goes, come on, Charles, we'll do it. We'll call you a comma. Kick any man's ass. And I'm like, nah, 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 nah. I didn't want to do it. And then he says, I'll let you ride a Harley. And when he said, I'll let you ride a Harley, I said, I'm in. Well, I only rode a Harley for a short time because back then Vince didn't own a slew of Harleys like he owned with the OA, and he started buying Harleys for everybody. And uh, so we had to rely on rented Harleys and bikes. And they'd bring in sportsters, baggers. So they took the bike idea away. Once they took the bike idea away from me, I was ready to go. And so they asked me to stick on and do it, do the thing with Taker, with the urn. And then uh, I think I, I, I did a thing with uh, Lawrence Taylor and all the football players. I think that was WrestleMania. I'm not sure. But when Lawrence Taylor fought Bam Bam and I was part of money. But I, I told Vince, once I'm done with these programs, I want out of here. And so I was gone after that. Isn't that funny though? It's like they want you, but you're like, yeah, I'm not really that interested. Like usually, usually it's the opposite in wrestling. Like, it's a much, you know? believe me, it's a much better position to be in when, when you you don't really need them. I mean, it, you, I shouldn't say you don't need them. It's good to have them, but I can survive without them. Yeah. What was your relationship like, or even if you have one now, like with Vince? How was Vince McMahon? I will tell you this: this is how my relationship. On my birthday, May 16th, Vince said, "Happy birthday, big man." Nice. He messaged me, so if that don't say that enough, I don't know what to say. I don't well, know how many people he wishes happy birthday on their birthday. Obviously, and then, he remembers. What was cool is that Undertaker's induction to the Hall of Fame. You know, Vince walks all the way down the hall. You know, his walk he does, and he walks back. Doesn't put anybody over. Doesn't put one person over. He comes by me, shakes my hand, and says, "Thanks for being here, Charles." So I mean, stuff like that is really cool to me. That just I, I know him well. He's a great guy. Uh, you could he's a great guy, and he's been nothing but good to me. Have you always had a good relationship with him? Even even like when yeah. you first started, dude. People people <laughs> people tend to get along with me. I just let it go with that. I'm the type of guy. I'm the Godfather. I'm the Godfather. So. People seem to like to be around me. Yeah, it seems like a lovable guy. Vince is remembering <laughs> your birthday and everything. Yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. Hey, that's hey. <laughs> Taker better remembered it. Vince remembered it. Taker better have remembered it. Oh man, I, I talked. <laughs> he texted me yesterday. I got to have knee surgery uh, pretty soon, and uh, he he texted me and asked me when the date was. I I talked to Taker. I, we don't talk. Excuse me. I text Taker at least once a week. We we text a lot. But we never, the thing is, never about wrestling. Never, it never has it ever been about wrestling. We talk about everything but wrestling. That's great. I mean, that, that shows you the, the friendship. And you guys, I guess, you know, 
like you said, they're kind of removed from the business. You don't really care too much about wrestling. No, nah, not really. I don't care, but, you know, um, it's not a big part of my life besides autograph signings and stuff. You mentioned the Godfather and creating it. How did you and your wife like come up with that gimmick? Like, how do you come up with the Godfather of all things? Um, it, it was just uh, my wife basically saying, if you could find a way to show your personality with these people, and then you're not a voodoo man, you're not an ultimate fighter, you're not a black militant. If you could just be you in a form that's entertaining and fun, uh, it'll, you know, I think that you'd really get over it. People would love you if we, if we got the real Charles Wright out there to see people, how crazy and silly and fun you are. She goes, people are going to love you. And, you know, of course I'm a big cannabis person. And she goes, and you need to get out there and start talking, telling everybody, I used to say everybody smokes and just won't admit it. Okay. Or everybody's at least tried it. So I was talking to those people. I, I basically told Vince, man, they see enough wrestling. They see enough wrestling. Let me entertain the people. Let me go out there and just entertain them. And that's what I did. I always thought like that character fit and Val Venus too, like fits so perfectly with the attitude era. You know what I mean? Like it was like the perfect fit. Like, could you like get a more perfect guy for that era? Uh, Val, I always tell people Val was worse than me. <laughs> Val was much worse than me, but that, that too perfect. Perfect. That, that, there couldn't be a better time for those characters. Um, I, I don't think you'll see another porno star like Val saying what he did, but I guarantee you, you'll never see a godfather in my form saying and doing what I was doing and saying, did just society won't allow it now? So I know that's one character that'll be put to rest. Yeah, imagine saying the hoe train or something nowadays. Oh, forget about it. <laughs> Colored girls hoes, <laughs> telling people to smoke weed, row fatties, yeah. offering girls the sex trade, like offering girls for money. Or <laughs> the attitude there, man, if you weren't there, you sure missed it. Man, growing up in that era was great, too, because it's like you said, it's not just wrestling. You're so entertained at the show. It's like, you know, you're emotionally invested. You love this stuff. You know, you really yeah, got into was- it. What was cool back then, I don't know if it's like that now, but every match meant something. From the first match to the last, everybody was in some sort of an angle on TV, no matter how small or big. But every match actually meant something. And it seemed like every character was important. Like you had a role, a character, and like people always popped when you came out. Like everybody <clears throat> seemed like they were important, which was a, a great kind of thing as far as the writing was concerned. Everybody had their own level of importance. I had my Godfather spot. I had the God, yes. So, yeah, I man, um, it was just, it was a great time. Man. And I, it was so cool because I had my own spot and I didn't have no writers. Nobody wrote for me. They would come up with an idea and I would run with it. I would have the finish. And then I would have uh, eight minutes for the match and five or six of it would be me getting the girls in the ring, me getting the girls out of the ring, having some type of quick match and then getting the girls back in the ring. So, I mean, that was all just me, man. And my wife did all the out. My wife had a seamstress making outfits, the vest. She had an airbrusher doing the vest. We had a jeweler making the jewel hat company, making the Godfather hats. She had outfits. I never wore the same vest on TV twice. I only wore it once and it became house show vest. So I had a lot of vests. But uh, yeah, she was a very big part of it. I just did the silliness. (laughs) Is that normal though? Have like you writing your own material like for then or did is that? Well, they didn't know. They they had no, they didn't know what I was saying. 
that known right for me, they wouldn't even ask me what I would, they, would, they wouldn't even ask me. I'm telling you, I, if I was scripted, I was scripted to say a town or an, or an event, but not anything else. They didn't even ask me. They just let me be me. Nobody ever said, what are you going to say today, Charles? Nobody ever said that. And I would literally, I would literally go out to the parking lot, go out my car, smoke a joint or a blunt, and think about what I was going to say. And I'd be with somebody. I'm not going to give up no names. But I'd be with somebody like, I'm going to say this tonight. They're like, no, you're not. I'm like, no. I'm wrestling this guy. I'm telling you, I'm gonna say that tonight. They're like, you're not gonna say it. I'm like, you want to see it. You want to see if I don't say it. And I, that's how it was. And I, and the other wrestler, whoever I was wrestling, they had no idea what I was gonna say. They had no idea. So I'd always keep it a little personal, just that they do, and they'd be like, man, like the one time I told Taker, I know you like hoes, you know, and he's looking at me. <laughs> He, he had no idea I was going to say that, but it was it was just cool to have that type of freedom. I could see you like making him break or making guys break. You know, it's supposed to be serious, and all of a sudden you say something they're like, you know, they're not expecting it. From Vader to everybody, make everybody break, man. I I almost got Taker. I almost got Taker. He got a little like that, like stop. But if you watch me say what I tell him, I know you like hoes. You'll see Paul Bear go, oh yeah. <laughs> that's great because like nowadays i know you don't watch but like everything is so scripted you could tell like they're you know they're very back then that's great they're giving you so much trust or like this character is so over we can't write for this guy you know what i mean like he's got to be himself like that's great they never wrote for me like i said um never i uh, i even brought that up with vince russo where i did a brawl for all episode on the dark side of the ring and i asked him did you ever write anything for me on the after show and he's like, you know, Charles, nobody, we kind of just came up with a little, we just kind of let you go because nobody knew what to do with you. <laughs> so. But you were over. There's, you can't deny, you know what I mean? You got to yeah, put them on TV every people, week. I tell people I'm the most over mid-carder you ever see in your life. My pops would be louder than Stone Cold's. I had, I had two pops. I had the pop when I would come out by myself. And then I would, and then I had the second pop when I'd call the girls out. And that second pop would be, it was crazy loud. And then my catchphrases, I didn't even have to say it. I could have just put the mic up. It was just, it was a very cool time. The thing is, is I ain't really changed much. I don't, we, <laughs> sold, we sold the strip club, so I'm not involved with that end anymore. But other than that, I'm the same dude that I was then, you know? For the attitude error, especially being a fan, then like you had to live through it. You can't go back and watch. You had to live through it to understand, like the ho train, you know, and all that stuff. I mean, you, you had to love it as a fan. It was awesome. Bro, I sometimes uh, uh, people I'll post them on my Instagram, and I see some of my entrances, and I see some of my speeches, and I'm like, wow, man. I'm like, that's crazy, because I was living it, and you don't realize how big it is at the time because you're just having fun out there doing your thing. But I look back now, you know, and I'm like, wow, that was just crazy. Just just crazy, the pop you would get and the reaction from the people. And they'd be, man, when I would say, I would tell wrestlers, watch when I say, I want to hear you say, Pip, it ain't easy. And I say, when the people say it, it'll be so loud that you'll feel the heat of their breath. And people are like, no, and they would be, Pip, it ain't easy. And the rest would be like, oh, shit, you weren't lying. I'm like, dude, that crazy? <laughs> They loved it. There, no doubt about it. Yes. Did you like doing the brawl for all though? Did you like that idea? 
probably was for me was a way to make some extra money. They're like, we'll pay you this much for a fight. And I'm like, all right, I ain't going to run for a fight. How much? And if you win, you get how much? All right, cool. That's all it was to me. That's all it was to me. I wish I would have took it a little bit more serious. Uh, but uh, that's all it was to me. It wasn't no political. It wasn't no none of that. It was how much to, for one minute? And if you win, you get how much? Oh, hell, make some money. That's all I said. And But what I, where I messed up is we had time to prepare. And I really didn't prepare. I didn't do nothing. And I just thought, you know, I'll go out there. Hey, this is how I am. But it cost me because I should have been more prepared for Bart. And, you know, dude had knocked out two or three guys. And I'm like, ah, that's, he's no problem. You know, and I should have took it a little bit more serious than I did. Did JBL really? I know it's like he says no, but did he really guarantee victory? There's a, like Russo was saying, like JBL said he guaranteed JBL victory. Never say that. He didn't say that. That's people making shit up about him. All that bullying stuff. Try I to get never some heat. JBL be a bully in my life. What he is is an old school wrestler that was taught by old school wrestlers, and he had that mentality. And just the modern day kids and people growing up were changing and they didn't understand that. But he by no means was no bully. He just, he lived by locker room rules and that were old school rules. They can't, you know, those rules are gone now, but back then they were still in place. Kayfabe was in place. I mean, now Kayfabe's nothing. Back then, you people really Kayfabe, you know? So I, I, you know, I know people have stories, but I ain't never seen Johnny be a bully. I never seen Johnny there. Johnny never thought, Johnny was like me. Oh, how much? Okay, I'll do it. You know, you know what the heck could happen. <laughs> so I mean, that's just you know, that's my side of it. I know people have stories that Johnny threatened all that stuff, but I wasn't there, and I don't know about all that. It's funny. I I interviewed him not that long, and I asked him. He said, "Nah, I." He's like, "I knew I was going to lose to Bart Gun ten out of ten times. I would have lost to him." But yeah. the story was like, "Oh, you're so cocky," but no, he wasn't. He knew he was going to lose. This, 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 it takes a couple stories that some wrestler got butt hurt because Johnny threw their bags out for doing something stupid. Well, back in the day, that's how it was. Right, and you wouldn't be able to out back in the locker room, yeah. Different time. Yep. But as we wind it down, head towards the finish, what was it like being inducted into the Hall of Fame? Obviously, a beloved character, but what did you think about being put into the Hall of Fame? Uh Took it as an honor. I mean, they put a pimp in the Hall of Fame. Come on. There's a lot of things in the Hall of Fame, but there's not too many pimps. Well, Snoop, but he's not on the other side. But, but uh, I loved it, man. It was, it was an honor. I, I've, um, You know, when I look back, like I said, I've been under a Legends contract since 2003. They still make my action figures. They still put me in their video games. They still put me. So my characters, you know, they... I put, I, even though I didn't like some of them, I put everything into them and I got most of them over to the point that, as far as you can get them over, especially the Godfather. So, you know, I had a lot of fun, but I think my body of work was there and they're still making money off of me. Oh, big time, big time. <laughs> Is that one of those things where Vince calls you up and tells you in the Hall of Fame or does somebody else tell you? you um, like you're Mark Carano called me. I don't know if you know who Mark Carano Oh, was. yeah, former head of talent relations. Yeah, yeah he called me and says, uh, Charles. I, I go to WrestleMania every year, except during the COVID. You just might not see me, but I'm signing you. You're part of this. You're part of that. You're, I'm there every year. And so he goes, Charles, you, you're coming to WrestleMania this year, right? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm coming, Mark. He goes, well, he goes, who are you bringing? I'm like, who am I bringing? What's it to you, man? You know, like, what, what? Like, I'm busy. I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm bringing just me and my wife. He goes, well, we want you bring your whole family. I'm like, well, why would I bring my whole family? 
He goes, because Vince is putting you in the Hall of Fame this year. And that's exactly how that call went. And I was on my way to the gym. And I'm like, oh, wow. I wasn't expecting that. And I'm like, did they make a special wing for pimps? <laughs> but it was an honor. Yeah, that's great. I mean, think about it. What a run. It'd be if you just like Papa Shango, then comma, then you know, obviously the nation of domination, but then Godfather. I mean, that just puts it way over the top for me anyway. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's the way to end it, too, on the top. Yeah. What do you got going on next? Like what are you up to uh, as far as what's co- what's like in the future for you? Uh, like I said, I have my cannabis line. Uh, I do appearances, but other than that, man, I'm not looking to do much more. Um, I'm, I am, we're getting ready. I live in Las Vegas. We're getting ready to sell our house here. And I think we're going to move to Pennsylvania. And right now we're looking at a place that's like kind of in a rural area. It's got six acres and I just kind of want to be left alone and not left alone, but me and my wife and the dogs and I'm ready to just kick it, man. Enjoy life. Nice. What's the name of the, uh, the cannabis line? It's called like the jacket behind me. It's called insane Godfather. And you find it all Dr. Green Thumbs in California. They can't ship it through the mail. And it's in a collaboration with Be Real from Cypress Hill. And uh, it's a very good strain. As soon as I get off of here, I want to be smoking some of it. And uh, check it out if you're in California. And how about all your social media? I know, obviously, Instagram you love. So what? Instagram, I'm the Godfather. I'm very active on there. It bleeds over to WWE Godfather on Facebook. But... um, if you want to get a hold of me, go through Instagram or godfatherbooking at gmail.com. Godfatherbooking at gmail.com. Other than that, man, you'll catch me on Instagram. I have I have a lot of fun on Instagram. So you see the real me on Instagram, just living life and having fun. Nice, awesome. And, of course, check you out on Table for Four, which is then Table for Five uh, on Peacock, too, to, to catch you oh, in the BSK. It it, it's a good show. I, I really enjoyed watching it. Godfather, thank you so much for all the time. Pimpin' it easy. Enjoy the whole train. Peace, everybody. Nothing but love. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash Empire to become a patron and also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies, brother. <laughs>